Good afternoon and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tim and... Tom. Hello, Tim. How are you feeling today? I haven't got a big smile on my face like you have, Tom. Uh, I feel that one of us is going to enjoy this podcast more than the other one, and I think that's going to be you. Uh, go on, Tom. Why are you feeling so happy today? Well, the uh, not only the... the... The topic of my happiness, but also the theme for this podcast today is the League Cup last 16 uh, match between Arsenal and West Ham. Sorry, it was at the London Stadium, West Ham's home ground. The result was 3-1 to West Ham. We are through to the quarterfinals. And Tim, you and I are going to talk about the match. What went right for West Ham? What went wrong for Arsenal? So that's why I'm happy. Okay, yeah, I wasn't a great match. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not happy today. Losing is never a good thing. Um, But Tom, you called it the League Cup. I believe over the years it's had a few names. Uh, When I was a youngster, I remember it being the Worthington Cup. Um, What else have we had? We've also had it called the Mickey Mouse Cup by some people. When you refer to it as a Mickey Mouse Cup, it means it's not a serious cup. Uh, It's not an important cup. You'll often hear uh, supporters of of the supposedly big teams referring to it as the Mickey Mouse Cup, as they would do the Europa League and the Conference League. Um, But, Tom, um, there were some other names over the years. The Worthington Cup, the Carabao Cup, the League Cup is the general name with it removing the sponsor but there have been some more haven't there it really depends on the the sponsor if you go back to the 1980s which uh, i can just about remember i believe it was called the rumbelows cup at one point as well but you are right in that it it is considered the less important of the cups the fa cup of course is the oldest uh football cup competition or competitive competition in the world the league cup is a much newer edition uh but you know, it's only not important if you get knocked out of it. I think if you win it, it's another piece of tro- another trophy for the silverware cabinet. Yeah, it's one of those uh, competitions where if you lose, generally people have already got their excuses ready. Anyway, Tom, let's jump into the match. Um, and before the match started, an hour before the match started, the lineups came out. Um, and on one hand, I was um, quite happy with the lineup uh, because I, I liked to see some some different people getting a look in. Uh, and to get a look in means to have an opportunity. Um, and there was that from an Arsenal point of view. Uh, we had the likes of Reese Nelson starting on the right. He's very rarely starts. Uh, Trossard on the left, keeping Martinelli out of the side. And also Jorginho in midfield. And, and a role for Fabio Vieira. And Fabio Vieira, his statistics of goals and assists is very high, but his contributions maybe are sometimes lacking. So I was excited to see him playing against a top-level opposition like West Ham. And at the back, it looks like quite a strong back line uh, between Ben White, Kiwior, Gabriel and Zinchenko. But I think actually uh, only two of them are starters. I think um, Ben White and Gabriel are the starters. Zinchenko, I think, is in the process of losing his place to Tomiyasu. Uh, and Kiwior, uh, it, it actually looks like a good player, but he's not a regular starter for Arsenal. He was brought in last January from Italy. And of course, Aaron Ramsdale, who is 
normally our number one, has recently been usurped by David Raya. To usurp somebody means to overtake them or to, to be better than them in some way. Um, so Ramsdale was fighting for his place um, in the lesser competitions, in the Mickey Mouse Cups. Uh, Tom, what was your um, reaction to the West Ham uh, starting lineup? Looking at it on paper, it looked like a very strong side. You're absolutely right, Tim. I was very pleased to see David Moyes treating the cup competition seriously. Uh, I, I believe the reasons there were reasons for that. West Ham have been in bad form. We've lost three consecutive games before to, before last night. And David Moyes, there's always this question hanging over: uh, How long can he keep his job? Because uh, when you play, when you're a manager who doesn't employ the beautiful game tactics when you play the David Moyes way, uh, there's always going to be questions asked when you lose. Uh, so he went full strength. You could argue perhaps uh, with the exception of Zuma, who was on the bench, James Ward-Prowse, who came on as a substitute. Uh, it was pretty much a full strength side. He rested Mikel Antonio, but it gave us a chance to play Jared Bowen up front as the lead striker. Uh, it's a different kind of striker from Mikel Antonio, but uh, he proved last night that he can play that position very well. So I was happy with the lineup. Uh, yes, and when I saw your Arsenal team as well, I thought we have a chance here. Yeah, well, um, the game started, it was quite a furious game, really. Um, both teams were going at it. Arsenal generally dominated possession, but when West Ham got the ball, they um, they looked like they were able to to move the ball forward and and uh, quickly and and expose the the spaces between defenses uh, between def between the defenders, um, and um, and so it proved after not very long after only sixteen minutes, West Ham were one nil up. It was a corner. There were questions about whether Arsenal should have let it go for a corner, but they did. Uh, the ball came in and. Um, Ben White put it into his own net. Um, I think, of course, in the Carling Cup, there is no VAR. Lots of uh, lots of the Arsenal players and Arsenal fans online were, were saying there was a slight foul from Thomas Suchek uh, on uh, Aaron Ramsdale. But to be honest, Tom, I've watched it back quite a few times and I think it was six of one, half a dozen of the other, um, which means both people were doing similar things wrong. And I, I don't think it was Aaron Ramsdale doing things wrong, but I think Eddie Nketiah was in the mix, uh, having a little tug or a little pull on, on Suchek's shirt as well. To tug means to pull um, as well. So uh, personally, I don't like seeing goals like that um, ruled out, especially considering... I don't think Aaron Ramsdale would have got to the ball in front of Ben White, even if he hadn't been fouled. So, um, so personally, I think uh, the Arsenal fans who are complaining uh, need to, uh, as may maybe would say informally, dry your eyes, mate. Uh, to, to tell someone to dry your eyes, mate, means uh, stop complaining. Uh, Tom, what did you make of the first goal? Do you think the Arsenal fans need to dry their eyes? I have to say, it's interesting, our roles are reversed here. I have to say, I thought it was a foul by Suchek. Uh, he grabbed Ramsdale's shirt and he pulled on it. The pull was perhaps one second before he let go. He released the goalkeeper's shirt. But uh, the way that, uh, you know, goalkeepers generally are very well protected, If the, I feel if the referee had seen it, he would have called a foul. But I also think Aaron Ramsdale 
has a, a role here. If if this was Suchek doing it against an experienced continental goalkeeper, you might see a different reaction. You might see the goalkeeper uh, feel the pull on the shirt and immediately uh, go down, shall we say, immediately uh, indicate with his body that the pull has affected his movement and he can't go and reach the ball. Aaron Ramsdale was perhaps a little bit too honest in that moment, in that scene. But at the same time... You call it, you call it honest. Others might call it naive, innocent. Naive, yes, exactly. So it was a kind of... It was one of those half fouls. Sometimes they get given, sometimes they don't. It depends if the referee sees it. If you have a cunning goalkeeper, then he's going to do something to make sure the referee sees it. Yeah, it is one of those. And this goes back to the decision. Okay, yesterday there was no VAR. But if there had been VAR, was that considered, would you have considered that a clear and obvious error from the from the referee uh, in the context of football being a contact sport? Um, and I've written on my notes here, not enough contact for me. And, and that is, for me, the heart of the problem with VAR, that everybody in their own head has this idea of what is enough contact. Um, mm. And obviously, and as you say, it's a strange situation because I'm saying it should have been a goal and you're saying it shouldn't have been. Um, but yeah, that is the issue for modern day referees. I'm glad I'm not a referee. Um, Tom, you must have been happy with the second goal. Talk me through it from a West Ham point of view. Yes, well, it uh, the timing was wonderful. We did start the second half in very uh, lively spirits. We had an attack you know, immediately as the second half began, and I believe this attack that led to the goal was the second one. Uh, it was a long ball. I, I can't remember who, but I suspect I, it was Akitar. Oh, was it Agurd? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have to say our, our two greatest playmakers in that game were Paqueta and Agurd playing sort of long diagonal balls over the top. Agurd's got a fantastic left foot. Uh, it was delivered across field into the Arsenal penalty area to Mohamed Kudus, who had a fantastic first touch with the outside of his left foot, just nudged it back inside uh, into a shooting position Uh Gabriel was stretched out trying to make a block, but Kudus's shot went through Gabriel's legs into the far corner inside the post. Uh, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful goal. I, I have to say, the goal really was made by that. Uh, the through ball was great, the finish was great, but the first touch for me was the key moment that created the space for the shot. And the goal came at a perfect time. Really, it allowed West Ham to relax into the second half. Then the pressure was off us, and it wasn't actually a surprise when a third goal followed soon after. Funnily enough, Tom, I had a, a different perspective on that goal. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it was a good a good ball from Agurd, Um and Kudus's movement on the right-hand side was very good. But if I'm looking at uh, Zinchenko there, I, I think a couple of things happened. One, I think he got trapped under the ball. Uh, there's no way a ball should travel so far, be in the air for so long, and as a defender, you don't even get within two or three metres of where it's bouncing. Um, he should have, from the trajectory of the ball, uh, seen where it was going, accepted that he wasn't going to win the header and uh, and try and close down Kudus's, for, uh, Kudus's control. Uh, the control was magnificent, but I think if he'd have had uh, Zinchenko half a yard away from him, pressurising that first touch, he wouldn't have had the ability to be able to cut 
back onto his left foot with that first touch. I don't blame Gabriel. I think Gabriel probably expected a bit more out of Zinchenko as well. Um, And this is a kind of similar question that we've had previously asked with Zinchenko. He's very good on the ball. He's very good at filling into midfield as the false uh, defensive midfielder from left back. But at crucial times, is his positioning uh, good enough as a left back? Is he cunning enough, uh, that word you used earlier, to kind of be clever but intelligent in a kind of an almost a manipulative or cruel way at times? Is he willing to make the difficult decision sometimes? And um, I think uh, a bit too often recently, the answer is no. Um, So we are worried. Um, however, I'm, I don't want to detract away from the ball or from Kudus. It was a perfect pass, a perfect first touch and a perfect finish. And it left Aaron Ramsdale in the Arsenal goal. Absolutely no chance. But I think uh, Jose Mourinho would say that goal was 100% avoidable. Um, but Tom, um, I'd like to, I mean, you know, you're looking at it here. You're thinking 2-0. Uh, it's comfortable for West Ham. And and maybe some people would think that, but the statistics didn't back that up, Tom. And I know you're a man who likes statistics. Um, I believe West Ham didn't have that many shots. Uh, they only had um, three shots on target over the 90 minutes. Uh, of course, one of, one of your goals was an own goal. So two of, two of the three shots you had on target went in. You only had five uh, shots off target. Arsenal also had three shots on target and 14 shots off target. So just before the listeners, I mean, we're going to continue with the goals and what happened in the game. But just before the listeners think that this was a a one-man show or a total walkover, a walkover is when there was only one team in it. I don't think it was that simple. It was a question of West Ham were very direct and had the quality to make the most of the opportunities that were there and to capitalise on the defensive mistakes made by Arsenal. But um, that's my rant over. A rant, Tom, is a long, angry solo speech, as I'm sure you'll know. Uh, What did you think of the third goal? A a bit of fortune, or do do you make your own luck, Tom? Uh, Yes, well, the momentum was with West Ham at that point. Uh, After the second goal, like I said, they had a bit of uh, breathing room, as we say. They had a cushion uh, to protect them from an Arsenal comeback. And often, sometimes the, the best football, the, the, the when players are most relaxed and can play freer, that comes when, when you have that uh, cushion. So I wasn't surprised by the timing of the third goal. There was a bit of luck. I believe there was shots. There was a ricochet. The ball bounced back out to Jared Bowen. His shot was fantastic. He powered it. I think Ramsdale got something on it, but you can't blame Ramsdale for it. The power on the shot was a bit too uh, too much for him, I think. Uh, so uh, it was a great finish by Bowen and well-deserved. He, As I mentioned earlier, he really showed that he can play as that leading striker role. He is a, He's a player whose valuation is going up every match he plays with West Ham. Uh, I, I heard more recently that Liverpool were trying to get him for 70 million at the end of the last transfer window, which might seem excessive, 70 million pounds, that is. But uh, as a West Ham fan, seeing him play uh, and seeing how good he keeps on getting his his rate of improvement, uh, yes, I, I think he's well worth that money. So I was happy to see Jared Bowen get that third goal for West Ham. It was well-deserved. Yeah, uh, he's been brilliant for West Ham. Um, And I think the question marks over Jared Bowen is, would he do it in a top, top, top side? Um, But yeah, when he's played for England, he has looked good. Um, So 
I, I think he is he is continuously improving, and I think West Ham are lucky to have him. And I'm surprised uh, maybe some uh, some more some richer some richer clubs didn't uh, didn't come in for him in the summer. Maybe they will in the future. Anyway, Tom, it wasn't a perfect night for the West Ham defence and the ex Arsenal defender Mavra Panos. Um, because uh, Odegaard came off the bench with about 10, 15, 20 minutes to go. Um, and he did score a great goal. Arsenal had West Ham camped in their own half. Um, and that means they were dominating possession. But West Ham were 3-0 up. It was it was, it was was possession, but it wasn't possession with any great threat. West Ham had, had let Arsenal have the ball. Um, and Arsenal played it around and got the ball into Fabio Vieira, Vieira uh, who played a nice little pass into Odegaard, who with his first touch took the ball away from the defender before driving a great finish into the far corner across the goalkeeper and it went in off the post it was a lovely finish but it was too little too late um and to be honest it's it, it was probably the only benefit the best part about that goal is that Arsenal can finish the match thinking okay we had our strongest players on the pitch at the end we finished with the goal um we can just forget the first 85 minutes of that match and, and and take the last five minutes to give us belief uh, going into our next game. Um, personally speaking, Tom, I thought it was the best goal of the game, but you might have thought the Kudus one was. What did you think of it all? <laughs> uh, it was a good game. I was very disappointed that we didn't keep a clean sheet. A clean sheet, of course, means when you don't concede any goals. It was literally the last kick of the game. Uh, I felt a clean sheet for that defence, uh, in particular Mavropanos, who up until that point had been uh, excellent for West Ham as a centre-back, uh, showing that he can be relied on to step in for either a Gerd or Zuma in the future. Uh, it was disappointing but it was a lovely one too you mentioned Fabio Vieira I was watching him closely I thought that uh, technically he is excellent uh, he, he he's very slender meaning he's quite thin in build but uh, he was I thought actually one of Arsenal's best players on the night and uh, I'd like to see more of him uh, when I look at that Arsenal team and I look at the subs you know where you scored that goal when you'd made your big name subs, you know, uh, Mikel Arteta threw the dice at the end uh, to throw the dice means, you know, he takes a gamble. He knows he's got nothing to lose. He brought on Declan Rice, Martinelli, Bukayo Saka, Odegaard and Arsenal began to exert a bit more control in the West Ham territory around the West Ham penalty area. Uh, but I think that uh, I can't blame Arteta too much because I appreciate he's got to keep his uh, best players fresh and fit for the Champions League and for the Premier League. But probably his greatest asset for that game would have been Declan Rice because Declan Rice is a player who is like it's like he's playing at home at the London Stadium. That has been his home. Not only that, but he knows every West Ham player inside out. He knows the, the weaknesses to exploit in the West Ham players. So uh, he came on too late. The attacking talent talent also came on a bit too late to make a difference in the game. So I felt that that was a shame for Arsenal. They might have uh, been able to achieve a comeback had they brought on their superstars a bit earlier. I think the superstars, as you call them, the big names, um, I don't think they were ever really going to get any more minutes than they got. I think Arteta's got a fixed plan about how much um, workload he wants his, his players to get uh, on a weekly basis. 
And uh, in the Carling Cup, he's not willing to to push those limits. I think whatever the situation in, in these cup games, you see the, the big names come on for about 30 minutes. I think what they do is they don't train um on on these days and they just use it as a, as an equivalent to to a training session in terms of just uh minutes and and uh yards through the legs um but yeah uh i i i get what you're saying i think declan rice would have made a difference especially in a very lightweight midfield of um of, of Havertz, Vieira and Jorginho, not only lightweight but physically limited no great pace or power in there um but I just don't think the, the the risks were worth it. I think 90 minutes in a potentially hostile environment against your former club uh, with hard tackles coming in, uh, it's just not worth it. As you say, Arsenal have got bigger fish to fry, which means um, more important things to consider. Um, and of course, the fixture congestion is something to consider. If we had gone through, uh, we would have had an away match against Liverpool in the next round, only three days before an away match against Liverpool in the league. Uh, so while Liverpool are playing West Ham, uh, Arsenal will be sitting there with our flip-flops on, uh, resting up. So you can already see the yeah. Arsenal fans have totally assimilated this defeat. And in our heads, we've turned it into a half victory. And that's probably why you're smiling. Well, you, can the, you can hear the loser talk coming out of my mouth. Yeah, well, no, no, I'm smiling because actually you told me something I didn't know. I wasn't aware of the draw for the next rounds. Uh, obviously, it's the quarterfinal. Manchester City are knocked out. Arsenal are out now. I think Tottenham are out. Uh, the biggest clubs are Liverpool, Newcastle and potentially Chelsea, depending on what Chelsea turn up. So those were the teams I wanted to avoid, in particular Liverpool and Newcastle. But now you told me we've got Liverpool, did you say away from home at Anfield? Away from home, yes. Oh, it makes it feel... Uh, yeah, my, my heart has dropped, shall we say. I feel uh, a little bit disappointed now because I just I know how hard it is. I believe we've won at Liverpool once since the 1960s. So, uh, yes, I, I must admit I'm not optimistic that we'll get past Liverpool. But uh, you never know. David Moyes will go there full strength again. And when you've got players like uh, Paqueta and Bowen, uh, Kudus, you've got world-class players there. So, uh, you know, you, you've always got a, a, a chance, albeit a small chance. Yeah. And Tom, what about... Um... What about in terms of the wider the wider picture, the bigger picture? Uh, you were talking about West Ham coming into the game off the back of, is it two Premier League defeats and a cup defeat, or was it three Premier League defeats? Um, two Prem. Two, yeah, yeah. You needed that result. Um, and uh, do you think this could be a turning point for David Moyes, the man who lives... He really is the most uh, the most uh, kind of polemic manager in the Premier League. He really is hero or villain on a weekly basis. He's never in the middle. Do you think this is uh, his? He turned himself back into the hero, beating London rivals three one. He has a temporary reprieve, we could say, meaning that he can uh, be relieved from the uh, you know the talk about his job security for a, for a week or two. But to be honest, there's always so much talk about excuse me, <laughs> about David Moyes' job security, that he probably switches off from a lot of it, as he should do. Uh, I expect that uh, the, the West Ham board will know that while David Moyes keeps West Ham in the League Cup and also in the Europa League, uh, his position will be fairly safe. 
Uh, at the end of this season, I have a feeling we'll be saying bye-bye, David, anyway. I think Tim Staden, our sporting direction director from Germany, uh, it has is able to bring in great players, but he will also be working to bring in a manager who can get the best out of those players as well. That means more possession football in the future. So we'll be ringing up Manuel Pellegrini again, will we? I don't think Pellegrini will be coming back. <laughs> but it does feel a bit like deja vu, you must it admit. Is. It does feel it a bit like It certainly is, because we did get rid of David Moyes the first time for Pellegrini. Pellegrini had two years and we brought back Moyes, yes. It for the same reasons again. as well, right? Yeah. For the same reasons. Exactly. The, the fans wanted more attacking football, yes. <laughs> anyway, in the context of the of the week, uh, Arsenal go away to Newcastle on Saturday uh, in the league. We won last weekend 5-0 against Sheffield United. If Arsenal go away and get a result up at um, St. James's Park, uh, Arsenal will consider this a good week, uh, regardless of going out of the cup. Uh, what about uh, what have West Ham got coming up at the weekend, Tom? Uh, you tell me, Tim. Have you got the? Oh, uh, the no, you, you've got Brent. You? You've got Brentford away. Brentford uh, mm. off the back of uh, beating Chelsea for the second time in seven months. Um, so that will be a tough match. Brentford are on good form, and uh, it's another London derby, Tom. So you'll be excited about that one. Yeah, a little bit worried. We we did beat them in the League Cup last year, but they have been consistently getting results, beating us in the league. So uh, we'll be yeah, we'll, we won't be overexcited about that one well let's see what happens okay good stuff well tom now now you've um now you've put us out of the cup it's always good to lose to the winners so uh i wish west ham the best for the rest of the tournament uh thanks to all of our listeners to getting involved from my point of view i've got nothing more to say about this terrible performance last night tom any last words uh on the west ham victory last night uh, no, I just just a comment that uh, one more time, Paqueta, he's the man. We have to enjoy him while we've got him. He was pulling the strings like a true puppet master. Uh, so I want to see more of Paqueta doing that. Only well, that. I mean, the, the transfer window opens in, in one month and 29 days. So enjoy him while you can, Tom. I'm sure City <laughs> will be knocking on the door. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners for listening, as always. And we'll be back soon for more action on the Learn English Football podcast. Thank you very much. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Tim. Bye-bye, everyone.